Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Hamish Bidwell joins us. Uh, Hamish, I know you're not a real American, but I thought you might have appreciated the opening couple of lines of that song. Yeah, who is it? Well, it's the, it's the Hulk Hogan theme song. Oh, is it? Yes, mate. <laughs> That's all right, mate. I, 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 I assumed that every time we, you know, we ring and talk to you, you're wearing one of your WWF shirts from the past. You know, <laughs> Macho Man, Randy Savage, maybe. You know, I don't know, Ravishing Rick Rude. I don't know who you're a fan of. Brutus the Beaver, Barber Beefcake, maybe. Um, the old thirteen once. Um, oh, the Ultimate Warrior. He was up there. Oh, he was um, up there. The Junkyard Dog. Junkyard um, Dog. Yeah. That's all right, Macho Man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that opening well, line. I didn't like the Hulk. You didn't? I wanted him to get his ass handed to him, but he never did. did no, he? Really. no. We did. He, he would do, and then he'd do that thing where he would shake stuff. his head and stand up like it didn't really hurt. Who could believe that we believed that for so long? Well, it was blood, and I remember people falling off a cage and stuff. Yeah. Sort of thing, right? It's a hard fall, but no, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Now, the opening line of that, uh, which I think is why Ben played it, is when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Um, and and I thought, given <laughs> that we're about to talk all black South Africa, it was a, it, it was probably a well-chosen piece of music. Yeah, interesting times, though, for that. Like, I um, I wrote something today for someone, and um, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better because mm. as rugby is being played and as this rugby... What the, the means to be effective in test rugby, we don't possess. We've um, we've valued athletes over rugby players for a long time now. You know, guys like Trevor Narakani and Franz Malherber, the, the Springboks props, they wouldn't even get a game in Super Rugby because they're not fast enough. They can't chip and chase. They can't fend. They don't. They probably can't dunk a, dunk a basketball. But they're actually really good at scrummaging, and they can get a penalty every single time. And that's kind of handy. Mm. And you know, we can tinker around edges with coaches and. And one or two different players, but essentially we can compete with actual forward packs, and we're not going to start doing that, as far as I can tell. Now, there's uh, been some talk that uh, you know, because I, I, I think most of the New Zealand rugby public uh, want Scott Robertson to take the job and assume that he's going to turn things around pretty quickly. But uh, I, from everything I've been reading, I, he he doesn't want the job. Not this close to a World Cup, which is interesting. I think after the way he's been treated, he would be foolish not to do it entirely on his terms. Yeah. And if his terms, if he's not suited by taking out the last minute, receiving a hospital pass, if he's got, there's more method than just blind ambition behind what he's up to, then I would absolutely applaud him, you know? And and this, I think I've seen people say, this sort of unpatriotic almost to want to win the Rugby World Cup with two different nations. Well, this is either professional sport or it's bloody rinky-dink club rugby where you, you're loyal to Maris and you never go and play for old boys. Do you know what I mean? Like, what are we talking about here? Is this professional footy or not? So 
To be fair, though, you, mate, mate, well, you'd have to recant your Catholicism if you didn't play for Marist. <laughs> Look, I, I, I've been a non-Catholic and played for Marist, but it's about grubby. Two Marist clubs, actually, in cricket, but that's life. It is life, mate. That is life. Yeah, it's an interesting There were no one. weird initiations. I didn't have to bend over and take one for the team. I wasn't slapped on the ass with anything. I just played a bit of cricket. Yeah, just played a bit of cricket. That's right. I think it's more rugby that they do that sort of stuff. But that's all right. We'll we'll, we'll get all to right, that. Then. We'll get to that later, mate. We'll get, we'll keep we'll keep the broom cupboard in, in Inglewood firmly shut uh, for this conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing because we have heard. Uh, you know, Chris Foy from the Daily Mail told me uh, he was on that tour of England to Australia, and while they were in Coogee, that Scott Robertson was around the camp for a couple of couple of days. I mean, all signs for me point to him taking over from Eddie Jones at the end of the next World Cup, don't they? Oh yes and no. I mean, he spent time with Trent Robinson and Craig Bellamy and Tim Sheens in his career. He didn't suddenly start coaching an NRL club. So yeah, I mean, I could by that to a point, he's, he's probably he'd be right to put out feelers and to have networking with people and, and the pips with the brains of people but whether that means he's getting into the bed with them, we'll wait and see but yeah, I think what we've seen, if we strip it all back you know, the foster, the cane, the whatever rugby standing and I don't mean capital R rugby the standing of rugby from New Zealand has been incredibly diminished, hasn't it? And uh no one rates us anymore, no one fears us anymore, and the way we've treated people for decades is coming home to roost because we have no allies left on or off the field. You know, no one wants to play multinational competitions with us, no one's going to bail us out, everyone's going to rejoice in our demise. Like, it's, it's a pretty crippling situation they found themselves in, isn't it? Mm, yeah, very. And all of their own doing, really. I mean, that, that's the thing yeah. that's coming, you know, that's I'm good. hearing from the Australian... Um, rugby journos and South African rugby journos. It's like, well, you know, this is this is this is all on uh, on the board. And you know that I saw Jamie Wall was on breakfast the other day, and he basically said, once they get rid of Foster, they all need to sack themselves as well because they're responsible for the situation. Yeah. So like I've, you know, you and I've kicked the Foster topic around a bit, and I've never wavered in my view going back to before he was appointed and I and I won't waver but I've come to the point where I just can't I just can't be bothered with it I'm just so boring like it's it's so embarrassing for the code to, for the man to speak every word that comes out of his mouth is just a further humiliation like I just think he's a he's actual an embarrassment to the code and he's certainly an embarrassment to New Zealand rugby and he should be sacked immediately and I, I can't get away from that but I I sheet the blame for everything on NZ Rugby now. It's, it's entirely their fault. They've mismanaged everything incredibly poorly. And as you know, you mentioned Razor before. How can we, and I say this all the time, how can we only have two potential candidates, one who's hopeless and one who's eccentric, to be the All Blacks coach? The other thing too is like, you know, you're a similar vintage to me. Once upon a time, we had coaches for a year or two, a year or three, same with captains. Now we have to be, they have to be ensconced for a decade and they have to... Um, right off into retirement and some sort of glorious finale. Like, that never occurred, whether you were Graham Murray or Brian Lahore or Wayne Shelford. Like, your time came, you did the job, and then you didn't do the job, and that was it. And we, but we think that with ourselves, like, if we have, we have to have a captain for a decade, we must have a coach for a decade. It's just such absurd, flawed, lazy thinking, and they deserve everything that's coming to them. Mm. I, I thought, um, you know, and it's certainly been brought up uh, by, by many different people, but... 
his comments in the press conference afterwards it did him no favours at all, pretending that that was, you know, what did he say, the best performance of the year so far, when it was a record loss, you know, the biggest loss to the Springboks in 94 years or whatever it was. I mean, how how stupid does he think the rugby public are that he can say things like that and people will just swallow it and go, oh, okay, everything's fine then. But that's the level of delusion that comes from top down at New Zealand rugby. That's that's the dislocation between themselves and the rest of us. Like they just, they live in a, an artificial world, a world full of yeses and absolutely's and you're amazing and you're exceptional and the rest of us are all donkeys. Like they just, so they don't, their grasp on reality is, is so tenuous and that's an example of it. You know, like, I go on about this a bit, but when I used to cover the team, you were reminded at all times of the exceptionalism of everyone within the environment whether it's NZR staff, whether it was the All Blacks themselves, and you were reminded at all times how insignificant and pathetic you were and how they almost, um, for amusement, treated you badly, inconvenienced you, were horrible to you because they could. They sort of, it was like um, a child with a magnifying glass and an ant. Do you know what I mean? Like that was how they treated you. And they got amusement from that and enjoyment from that because it helped bolster their belief in their exceptionalism. And like when you hear Foster speak, no sane person can 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 listen to what he's saying and think it comes from, or, you know, that he, he can't believe that someone would say that. It just seems so incomprehensible and so absurd. And yet he says it with a straight face because of the environment that it's been created. He probably believes it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if, he, if he can't be honest, you know, with himself, he's not going to be honest with us. Um, and everything that I've uh, that, that we've been hearing, I, know, I think Paul Cully wrote a piece on it, was that he left to go to South Africa knowing that if he didn't come back with at least one win, he was doomed. And after that first test, I can't see them getting a win at Alice Park. Uh, but the, it seems to be there's a gentleman's agreement with you know New Zealand rugby that he will walk away rather than be sacked so they, they financially it won't uh, impact them too much, which um, seems a, an absurd way of doing things again as well. But the travelling media ought to be shot too, and some of them are sort of friends and former colleagues and that, but they're allowing him to say this nonsense. And, they, you know, the stuff today is about, you know, I, I've got a great feeling that something's coming and, you know, we've got more tricks up our sleeve and it's not far. I don't know how you can let the man, let the man get away with talking such rubbish. And even if you're going to quote it, well, quote it to damn him. Quote, him. quote it to make him look more ridiculous than he already is, but don't. Don't write it like, oh, take take heart, all black fans. Something mm. could be something could be brewing. It's not brewing. It hasn't been brewing for bloody years. And this idea that it's suddenly going to appear at Alice Park, give it strength. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like uh, some weird satire. I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's let's move on. Let's talk uh, Warriors, mate. Because uh, yeah, go from. But can I just say, like, yeah. quickly, like I do think people should prepare for that because we have undervalued the things that are of value in Test rugby in terms of the size and shape of the athletes that you have and the way you play the games. We've gone for a sort of um, scrums as a mechanism to restart a game, but like rugby league, we pick big, tall, heavy uh, ball carriers, but like rugby league, guys with an offload, but guys who can't actually cut it in test rugby. And until, it doesn't matter whether it's Foster or whether it's Robertson, we do have a fundamental flaw in the way we've developed the game and prepared athletes to play it. And so there's going to have to be some soul-searching and a bit of realisation that under the laws that exist now, we can't be competitive. And so whoever does get the job, they'll, they'll know that. And as a fan base, they have to be conscious of that too because I just don't think, whether it's Ta'abao or 
Lolawa, Pumpasi when they come back, if it's Tyrell Lomax, we actually don't have a competent tight head prop in this country, and that's a bit of a problem. It's a, it's a, this is a massive problem, mate. It's a massive problem. Um, now, we should talk uh, rugby league as well, uh, the Warriors. Stacey Jones' comments after the game, uh, I don't know if you watched any of that game against uh, the Rabbitohs, but honestly, at times, in the first half particularly, it was awful. I mean, there were a couple of guys there, as I said uh, yesterday, that I thought they were, you know, ushers in the theatre, showing Latrell Mitchell which way to which way to his seat, because um, that, that's what it looked like. And I mean, they must have got a spray at half time because they were a lot better in the second half. But I mean, Stacey Jones came out and said that there are, you know, basically there are a bunch of blokes not playing for the jersey. Um, I mean, you know, you think the All Blacks have got problems, man. I mean, Warriors. I think uh, where do they go next? Yeah, and I watched the whole of that. And actually, my poor wife came into the room at one point. She said, oh, my God, who's that? Is that the little general? God, he's aged. Is that really him? I said, yes, that's Stacey Jones. But you would, wouldn't you? I mean, I, I, I watched this post-match uh, quote where he was talking about the things you mentioned about the lack of effort and the lack of desire. I mean, he, he looked a sad, tired, lonely old man, didn't mm. he? You know, think of him as this fresh-faced kid with a chip and a chase and a wink in his eye, a glint in his eye. Great little player. Like, those guys won't even play for him. Like, who will they play for? Like, they, that club is rotten, and I, I go on about this a lot. I, I sheet a lot of it back to Sean Johnson. I think his effort is absolutely lamentable. I think he's one of the more gutless rugby league players I've ever seen. And they finally cut ties with him and they bring him back. What did they think was going to happen? Like, you cannot have your best-paid star player being one of your worst offenders when it comes to lack of accountability on defence, lack of willingness to put a shoulder in, lack of willingness to put your head in the dark place. Like, it just sends a message to the team that, hey, it's not a big issue, you know? And so Jones was talking about, we've got four weeks to go. Come on, fellas, please, I'm begging you. Can we just try and show some effort? Like, they've given up, and... It's, it's hard. Like, they don't exist in Australia. They're, they're, they're a non-entity. They are irrelevant. But we give them a lot of coverage here because they're a one-team nation. But really, they don't deserve to be covered. They don't deserve to be debated. People shouldn't even bloody well watch them. I do because, well, I have to talk about them. But um, they don't deserve that. The players certainly don't even hardly deserve to be paid. And I'm t- I don't want to hear about, you know, the sacrifices, the living out of suitcases, the dislocation, like, mate, it's a failing club that people, A, don't want to go to, and B, if they do come to, don't want to stay at. Like, they've got some serious problems. And as you mentioned, if we compare them to New Zealand rugby, they are at another, they're at another organisation that needs a complete clean-out because the people running that club are failing that club and they're certainly failing rugby league fans. They must, must be shamefaced a lot of the time, must find it hard to, to wear their Warriors jersey, must find it hard to feel proud of their club because there's no pride of the performances of the players. I did think uh, our breakfast show here, um, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, uh, got it right. They did a they did a poll. They do a poll every uh, every Monday and every Friday, uh, and their poll a couple of weeks ago was who's worse, Mark Robinson or Mark Robinson? <laughs> I believe Mark well, Robinson shaded it. Yeah, yeah. So there you right. go. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's 50-50, isn't it? It is, mate. Very 50-50. Uh, and finally, before we let you go, mate, have you started watching the Commonwealth Games yet? No, I haven't. Okay, good. No, what's oh. been happening? No, it's, I, I mean, I'm aware of it, clearly. Like, I'm a news junkie, and I I rely on um, 
radio and, and, and print stuff and a bit of podcast carry on to try and get topics to write about and talk about. So I'm conscious of it's the fact that it's on, the fact you can't really avoid it. But no, I haven't watched it. I haven't read about it. It was interesting. I was listening to SE in Australia and they had Maddie and Andrew Johns and well-known rugby league writer David Riccio on on Friday. None of them have watched it. None of them care. And they, they you know, Australians normally sort of give the revel in success of their athletes and, 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 and you know, that whole Ocker mentality takes over, but they just said they're bored of it. No one cares. It's a non-event over there. So I don't know if that's a, a widespread feeling here, um, but certainly I'm aware that it's been successful games for, for New Zealand, but it hasn't gripped me. hasn't even bloody well turned it on. What have you thought of it? Uh, well, to be honest, I haven't watched, watched much. And, you know, last week I was off because I had the flu, mate. I got hit by a truck. I thought I had COVID. I tested negative three different times. So I put it down. I must have had the flu. But I was sidelined for quite a while and on the couch. Uh, and I still didn't watch any of it. So there you go. It was the start of the Premier League season, and there was a whole bunch of stuff on Netflix I had to watch. So I read I read some reports. Uh, you know, I, I, I cruised through stuff and News Hub and stuff like that to find out what had been going on, but I didn't actually watch any of it. So there you go. It's a great day, isn't it? Manchester United lose again. Roy Keane's on tally. Not rating McFried and McTominay. You know, I just... It's a gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? Yeah, unless you're a United fan, in which case it's, it's, it's a recurring nightmare. Recurring nightmare. Thanks for that, Hamish. Thanks. Uh, good stuff, mate. Go well. All right. Good to see you. Good Cheers, to see you. mate. Hamish Bidwell there with Media Watch.